0: Hi, and welcome back to Late Bloomin' Love, the podcast about finding love when it's about bloomin' time. I'm your host, Amanda Klang, and by now you probably know that each episode I speak with guests about love and relationships, because I'm single and seeking one too. And I hope that any listeners in my situation feel encouraged by what they hear you probably also know that normally my friend Shelly Morgan joins me after each interview to share her sometimes different take on what we've heard. But this week, things are a little different. Shelly's away wrapping up her master's project at Queen's University on aging and health. And I have two different conversations for you with two listeners of the podcast who reached out to me. They wanted to share their experiences of seeking and finding late bloomin' love after losing their partner suddenly and, in one case, tragically. First up is Cynthia Lullum, Montrealer and longtime Westmount City councillor, whose story of finding her second great love can only be called miraculous. That conversation is up next. Cynthia Lellum, welcome to Late Blame in Love. Thank you. Pleased to be here. Hmm. Uh, Cynthia, you wrote me after hearing an episode of the podcast. You told me how you'd been widowed quite young and had remained a single mom for a long time before you met your husband, David. So I want you to tell me that story. But first, what made you write to me? I was very happy to hear from you, but what prompted it?
1: Well, um, I listened to the podcast that a friend of mine was on and, um, This, this was Monique, right? Monique Polak? Yes. Monique Polak. Yeah. And I think that my story and David's is, is very unique and very inspiring to people. Mm. Um, in that, you know, I certainly never thought that I would remarry or that I would meet somebody, um, that, uh, I would fall so in love with and, uh, that, you know, I would find myself as happy as I am today. So I wrote you so yeah. that hopefully I can inspire other people.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, so tell me a bit about your story before you met David, what was going on in your life?
1: So I was previously married, and my husband died suddenly and unexpectedly. And um, we were both in our 40s. Mm. And we had a nine year old son. Mm-hmm. Um. And, you know, it was, he had had a medical six weeks before and was fine, but had an undiagnosed heart condition and died in his sleep from a massive heart attack. Oh and so it was, you know, devastating. Um, and so for many years I concentrated on, you know, being the best mom I could for our son and, mm. uh, you know, just keeping things going. I, uh, I was a city councilor, but that was hardly enough salary to sustain us. So I had and that, to that was here
0: in Montreal, right
1: in Westmount. Yeah. yeah. I've been a city councilor. I just ended 26 years. Um, and actually it was my late husband who encouraged me to run. I was pregnant with Harris when I first ran. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, you know, my, my focus was really on, you know, being a single mom and I had to restart my career. And so that was my sole focus. Yeah. Then, um, and for better part of eight years, uh, I never dated. I wasn't interested in dating. I never even thought about it. Mm-hmm. And then a friend of mine was saying, you know, you're not going to meet anybody in your living room, and so you really, you know, you you you're, you're too young not to to to, to give up. Yeah. So she had me. Uh, she helped me write a profile on a dating site. Mm and hmm. uh, plenty of fish right. and uh, not to give them a plug because um, <laughs> it didn't go well. <laughs> Why um, not? What was your experience like? Well, the first person who responded was, um, seemed nice. And we mm-hmm. communicated back and forth. We both love travel. My late husband's family were in Italy. So I spent several months of every year in Italy so that my son stayed connected with the family. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had you know, some good conversations. And then he asked me for a picture of my feet. Ah, uh-huh, right. <laughs> that that was just a bit strange and really not uh, oh. in my ballywig. So uh, then, uh, so that was that. And then the second person again seemed nice enough, and I was very naive to all this. Right. So he had obviously researched me, um, and um, because
0: you're a public person, ultimately exactly.
1: So yeah, yeah if you use my picture it'll come up who I am I didn't realize that and so my image so we went for a walk in Westmount Park and shortly into the walk I realized that he had researched me and uh, was saying things that would just you know impress me or whatever but they were also all lies Um, and at one point he claimed that he had recently bought a house in Westmount and when I asked him where it was Well, the house belonged to friends of mine who were not selling. He claimed Uh, to have bought it. And so I realized that this person was not being truthful. mm -hmm. Um, So I ended the walk and I came home and contacted my friend who had done, uh, she she was quite the serial online dater. Mm -hmm. So she said, oh my goodness, that's John so-and-so. Oh no. (laughs) And he's like a fraud artist. And there was actually a book and a movie about him.
0: (laughs) <laughs> so, oh, wow.
1: You, you hit the
0: jackpot. Really? Well, that's could. discouraging.
1: So I, I I gave up. I, I And it, it was hard to get my profile off, but I finally oh. succeeded. And uh, that was the end of online dating for me or even thinking about dating yet again.
0: Can I ask how old you were at that point, um, Cynthia? I was in my uh, early 50s. Uh-huh. Okay, that's definitely too young to, to stop looking if you're interested. Yeah.
1: And so that uh, so then I I just resumed back to my career path and taking care of my son and Mm -hmm. uh, um, never dated and ironically um, I worked in an industry that's predominantly male Mm -hmm. um, and but I think that I was so closed that you know I had a lot of friends but you know like a lot of male friends you mean yes yeah, yeah but not you know no I think that yeah, that's it. I think sometimes we give we give off the
0: yes, I think uh, and I so. certainly
1: did. That tie mm-hmm. was very closed, and so nobody ever approached me, and and I and I was you know happy with that. Yeah. So yeah,
0: and and then what changed?
1: Well, um, I think I was on a committee with the city and, um, David came to give a presentation. Well, actually he joined the committee and I was leaving the committee cause I was on too many committees. <laughs> so I was like, and I D- David is your
0: husband now, right?
1: Yes. So yeah. he joined the committee. It was a heritage committee. And, um, so my specialty is, was urban planning and that's his, <laughs> he's a doctorate in urban planning. Um, so he, I saw him at that meeting, but sort of, nothing more. We didn't talk. Then um, he came and gave a presentation to the committee. Uh, One of the projects I had was repurposing churches. And so he came to talk about projects he had worked on and repurposing churches. And I thought, "Hmm, he's, he's, he's attractive, but Mm -hmm. nothing really more. Then several months later, a friend of mine contacted me because she's a she works for the CBC and edits documentaries. And she contacted me and said, hey, there's going to be a documentary that I worked on airing tonight um, called Cities Held Hostage. And um, it sounded interesting. So I, she said, it's on tonight. So I got a glass of wine and sat down and watched it. And at the end, I texted her and I said, wow, I really enjoyed it. Great job. And by the way, I have a crush on David Hanna because ironically, David was one of the main narrators. And was Uh, this the same David who'd been on the committee with
0: you that you'd seen make a presentation and been like in your mind, he's cute, same person. Exactly.
1: exactly. Uh So as a joke, I said to her, oh, I have a crush on David Hanna. The next morning, I had two very old dogs. Mm -hmm. Normally we went to the park, but in this particular day, we went over to the corner of Hillside and Abbott Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: Mm -hmm. near my house. Mm-hmm. And when we got there, David Hanna was standing there.
0: This is a total coincidence.
1: Total. Wow. And so I started laughing and he said, Counselor Olam, why are you laughing? And I said, well, I watched a documentary on you last night. He didn't know it had aired nationally. And so we started talking and we ended up talking for over an hour. The dogs laid down on the grass and just (laughs) (laughs) had a nap. Um, And so we chatted away and found, you know, we had many, many things in common. Mm -hmm. Um, He also loves trains and I worked for the railways. Mm -hmm. Uh, So um, I had a project I was working on, an urban planning project, and I had said to him, told him about it and he said he'd be interested to give me his comments so we set up to meet again um, shortly after which Mm -hmm. we did Mm -hmm. and um, I told him well you know if you do this I'll take you to lunch (laughs) so we went to lunch and we talked for hours Mm -hmm. and he left me at city hall and when I got to my office he had already texted me saying how about dinner Nice. the next day. Nice. And we've been together ever since.
0: Aww, so Cynthia. we met at the
1: corner of Hillside and Abbott and, you know, in the most unexpected circumstances. And there you go. You know, yeah. the night before okay. I was saying, gee, he's cute. I have a crush on him. And the next day and I poof, there he is. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> he's yours. And so nice. what were the chances that I would be there and he would be there? And ironically, he was there because he was looking for a building that had cat prints in the brick that he had seen previously. Mm -hmm. Ironically, it was my house that had the cat paws on the brick. Oh my goodness. I told him, well, you're one block away (laughs) and it's my house. Coincidences piling up. So previously he had looked
0: at my house, (laughs) which is funny. And and not also not knowing the same way you didn't realize he was going to be in the documentary. That's amazing, Cynthia. Wow. Tell me what you were talking about, uh, the many years that you, after you were widowed, after you lost your husband and you were concentrating on raising your son. And even though you were in this environment with lots of men, you in your working environment, you, you look back on that and realize you were just kind of closed, very closed before you had this fabulous coincidental series of coincidences that brought David into your life did anything shift to make you be more open was it something you were consciously interested in
1: my son was in a terrible accident Um, he was um, hit by a car at the corner of Dorchester and Atwater coming home from school from college and um, he was hit on a pedestrian light Um, and you know after my husband died, my biggest fear was losing Harris, of course, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was something I always struggled with because I traveled a lot for work, um, and being away from him was always very stressful. Mm-hmm. At this point, he was 20 years old, and mm-hmm. um, I, when he had the accident, he, he was in critical condition for over 24 hours. He had a fractured skull, a brain bleed, a broken neck, oh and goodness. a broken sternum. But oh. fortunately, um, he didn't have any paralysis or, or loss of uh, oh. movement, which is a miracle. Yes. His brain bleed stopped on its own. And, you know, 24 hours later, they were able, they were like, he's miracle man. Oh, it's you know, so yes. fortunate. And, you know, he'll have a full recovery. Now, it was oh. many years, but right. nonetheless, Um well, my husband died. I went to see a therapist, a grief therapist, uh-huh, as, as yeah. and my son did too. Um, and so with this accident, I realized, you know, I was back in that space. And mm-hmm. so I went back to see her mm-hmm. and her advice was that, you know, he was tw- a 20 year old young man yeah. and that, you know, he needed to move forward from this. And uh, and so did I. And mm-hmm. that it was important that, you know, I give him space and, you know, not overmother him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also for me to get rid of my anxiety. So she suggested I go on a trip. She said, you need to go away mm-hmm. and have a separation, have a vacation. Yeah. Um, but you need to do that to start the process uh, of, you know, letting him move forward. So yeah. it was so difficult, but two of my girlfriends stepped up to the plate and we oh. went to England nice. um, and visited a third girlfriend. And uh, as difficult as it was, it was life-changing for me. Oh. When I came back, you know, I called him every day, of course, and texted and all that fine stuff. Yeah. But when I came back, um, I was able to let go. And I think that that accident um, propelled me to realize, she said to me at one point, you know, he's, you're going to be in your seventies, he'll be 40 and you're going to be on a cruise boat having tea together. Uh, <laughs> she goes, is yeah. that what you want? No, like, not no, for you. Not for
0: him. no. And not
1: for him. No. So when I came back, you know, yeah, it, it really, I was far more open to doing things. I'd always traveled with him. Mm-hmm. And so now, you know, I, I started a a new momentum where I traveled with friends and uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, so that I think really opened me up to looking to my future. Cause she said, right. what is your future? Ah, you need yeah. to look at your future. You know, he's going to move forward. He's going yeah. to, you know, have his life, but you need to have a life. So ah. I think that was, you know, life altering, for me as well. And that it made me realize, you know, yes, I I do need to move forward. And then just, you know, I don't know the luck of the stars, whatever, (laughs) but then I met David.
0: How, how long late after that did you meet David? Nine months. Oh, not long at all. No. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And then we got engaged, uh, six months after we met and got married the next year. And the only reason we waited a year to get married was that his daughter was getting married. And so Uh I wanted her to have her
0: space. Yeah. So how long have you been been married to David now? Now we've been married for three years Uh and
1: we've been together for almost five. Yeah.
0: And how long has it been since you lost your husband?
1: Um, He died in 2006. Okay.
0: Wow. That's quite a parcours. So, I mean, yay, yay Yay. on so many levels. Yay that your son has made a full recovery. Goodness gracious. Yay also that you had that great therapist with her very important advice. Makes so much sense from outside, but when you're inside those situations, sometimes you can't see it all. No. And and yeah,
1: David fits into my family beautifully. uh, And Likewise, me with his, and so it's been just uh,
0: a miracle. Yes, yeah, sounds like it. quite a few <laughs> miracles, one after the other. So, is this right, Cynthia, that you met, you married David in your early sixties? Is that right? Yes. So, considering this rich experience you've had, and my goodness, such a such a life path what advice and considering you're interested in sharing your experience to give other people encouragement, what, what advice would you offer? I would say to not give up, hmm.
1: never give up. Um, and, you know, set yourself some goals. Ah, uh,
0: what do you mean? Well,
1: I tell my friends who who are single, you know, go what are your passions go to places that are your passions that's where you'll meet people who share your passions and you know you're more likely to be compatible um David and I both you know railway (laughs) and uh, (laughs) um, you know heritage and uh, urban planning so I think that you know the thing is to be open never think you know it's not possible because I'm a perfect example that it is possible He was my first date, really. Oh,
0: lucky you. That's great. Do you think looking back on those years when you were not dating and you realize now you weren't open, do you think you knew it at the time? Were you conscious about that being your modus operandum or do you think you weren't conscious about being? No, I was conscious of it. You were.
1: Yeah, I was very conscious of it, (sighs) but, you know, I think, you know, it was a perfect time to... let let my son, you know, move forward in his life as well, you know, at 20. So mm-hmm. um, I think that, you know, and, and maybe it was a bit of an excuse. <laughs> you know, like, oh, I've yeah. got to take care of Harris. Mm. But I think that uh, I purposely didn't want to confuse him by bringing someone else into my life. Right. And, and so I don't regret that. But I'm so pleased that now at this point where, you know, he's Harris is, uh, you know, moving forward in his life, you know, he, he, uh, he's, he's been, he left home five years ago. So, uh, you know, he's uh, the next year, actually, he got his own apartment. It was a part of his recovery. Um, And uh, voila. And so Mm. everyone's happy. Mm. And I don't know without David, if it would have been so easy for me to let him move out.
0: (laughs) Yeah. 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 No, I imagine. And I was going to ask you in those nine months after you went on that trip, you listened to the advice of your therapist, you went on the trip with your girlfriends, leaving m- more space, your, your son, more of his own space, even though you were, he was, you know, still vulnerable. He was recovering mm-hmm. from this accident. You said it was hard. Did you take, do you remember doing anything or thinking anything in particular to help yourself move into a space of being more comfortable with being open to the new, the, you know, a, a new stage of your life? including a romantic relationship, including whatever else, you know, leaving, leaving your son more space to become his own person. Do you remember doing or thinking anything in particular to help yourself move in that direction?
1: I, I definitely accepted more travel for work. I was gone two weeks of every month. Um, and so um, that, and I also, you know, took, decided to take better care of myself. So mm. I, I lost weight. I took a exercising, I walk, mm. I'm a crazy walker. Um, mm. And uh, I cut my hair. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I just generally thought, you know,
0: it's time for me to think you. about me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, what, what's so nice about it is it sounds uh, there's something very organic about the process you went through. It doesn't sound like you were fighting with yourself very much.
1: Not at that point. No. You know, mm-hmm. I think I, as I say, she's, she's a good therapist. I think, yeah, you know, nice. she really said, you know, you gotta look at what, what's your future. And yeah. I think that was the hardest part because with my late husband, when he died, that's what left my future left, right. um, in terms of our future together, you yeah. know, I always envisioned us, um, you know, as old people, I always envisioned, yeah. you know, what we would do later on in life, you know, we had plans. And all that disappeared and went, you know, poof in that moment. And what I didn't do was replace it. I just, you know, went day to day, you know, did everything I needed to do, you know, I Mm -hmm. got a good job and, you know, achieved a lot. I, you know, and Mm -hmm. did a lot for the city, but I didn't do a lot for me. Uh, And that's the change. And I think that, Sometimes when we come out of a difficult relationship or a mm-hmm. divorce or, mm-hmm. you know, I think you need to re yourself mm-hmm. and, and that's a big part of, you know, finding love.
0: Yeah, indeed. Oh, these are, this is very helpful. I mean, uh-huh. uh, my, my personal story doesn't, you know, I, I don't follow any really of the tracks that you're describing, except I think this is very applicable. It's very good.
1: I do think it's applicable to almost everybody, mm-hmm. um, you know, that uh, I think we all get in kind of a rut or comfort yeah. zone and you have yeah. to get out of your comfort zone and it's not easy,
0: mm-hmm. but it's worth it. Yeah. And if you create like what you did, you sort of, we. one way to do it is is to create structures that sort of push you out. So in your case, you accepted invitations to travel, you accepted jobs, you know, job assignments that took mm-hmm. you out of out of your home, out of, out of the city. And even if it was, but once, you know, it's uncomfortable, but once you say yes, you got to do it and then you got to do it. (laughs) Well, listen, Cynthia, I really appreciate you taking the time to share your story, to share some very good advice, definitely some encouragement. And I'm just delighted for you.
1: Thank you for having me on. And I hope I inspire some people to open up and find love.
0: Absolutely. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks to podcast listener and former Westmount City Councilor Cynthia Lullum for that conversation about her amazing story of finding love after loss. I also recently spoke with another listener named Hélène. She had originally written to me after I launched the podcast nearly four months ago on Valentine's Day. Hélène was newly back in Montreal after living many years in Toronto. And she explained in her message, and again when we spoke last week, that hearing the podcast concept of late bloom in love made her realize that now, at age 60, she feels ready to find love again after a long period of single life and a lot of her own personal loss.
2: I lost my mom in 2009 and my marriage uh, broke down in 2012 after 23 years. Mm-hmm. And then I lost my dad in 2014 and my kids eventually went away to university. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of loss and emptiness. Yeah. So I just, I mean, you struggled through it. You just lived through it. And then I guess, you know, thinking about coming back to Montreal, um, my two best friends are still here. My sister's here. I have, you know, family friends, um, and just decided to do the move. So when I heard your podcast, um, of late bloom, (laughs)
1: love
2: it kind of like woke up the fact that, yeah, I don't want to grow old alone and it wouldn't it be great to meet someone. So, so yeah, I'm totally ready.
0: Totally. (laughs) Good for you. Good for you. (laughs) Um, on the podcast, I've talked a little bit about some of my dating Online, online Dating Adventures and Misadventures. So I'm guessing maybe you've tried it too. What have your experiences with online dating been like?
2: Um, I tried that years ago. Um, I mean, it was okay. It was nothing. I, I'm not sure it's for me. Yeah. Uh, maybe my experience didn't go so well. I know a lot of people or know of people who've met amazing people online. Mm-hmm. It's just not happened for me. Um, I guess, you know, I guess we get to an age where we don't want to settle and maybe the people that I was seeing online were just not the kind of people that, you know, I felt like I wanted to move forward with.
1: Mm. I did meet
2: a couple of very nice people. You know, I, kind of saw someone in Toronto for a couple of months. He was very nice, just not for me. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm. It is tricky. It is tricky. I, I was talking with a friend about just the fact that now that we're, you know, we're fully full-fledged adults, we know who we are. And so it, it, it requires more compatibility than when you're younger. So yes. It, and it the last
2: tough. one, the last one I had a connection with, not quite sure he actually existed.
0: Oh, um, right. Yeah. No, there's, there's ver- there are various pitfalls with online dating. It's it's, you know, you have to, you have to feel some compatibility, but then, yeah, there's all these other things. Like there was that TV show, the Tinder Swindler, like, I guess we're all a bit aware of these potential yes. pitfalls So anyways, well, good for you. Are you, are you doing it now? Are you interested in using these online uh, apps at the moment? Well, I'm
2: actually on one now and, and that's where I met the recent, you know, person that I'm not sure exists. So mm-hmm. I've actually asked that particular place to sign me off. Oh yeah. Um, but I find that like throughout life in general, you see people who may interest you, I mean, in a different setting. I'm, d- I'm not sure it always has to be online, but.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. no, I agree. Although yeah, people, agree. the stats show that that is where the majority of people meet. Have Have you tried any other um, methods for meeting besides, okay, we've talked about online dating. We've talked about just meeting people in you know, in our, in our circles and in, in work settings, is there anything else? That I've you had tried? the
2: experience of like matchmaking Oh yeah, in companies that do that. Um, uh, personal to twice in Toronto uh, mm-hmm. that I had met uh, the people who do that. Uh, it was very personal. It was really one-on-one and these people take down all your, you know, whatever's all your criteria and, and so on. But the fee is astronomical, right? Mm-hmm. Like they ask for, like lots and lots of money uh, to do this so i mean you put all your your eggs in one basket with these people and it may not work either who knows and then there's this other place which is like i guess it's a company where you go and they write a profile they do a profile on you and then somebody makes matches and and they find people for you but but you know the reality of of dating is you know men in general, and I don't want to say every man, but mm-hmm. but a high percentage of men want women who are 15 to 20 years younger than them. So when you get to a certain age, I'm 60, mm-hmm. and you get to a certain age where I will not date an 80-year-old. Me no. I mean, that's older than my former father-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I have no interest. I mean, and and I get that, like, you know, Men, we're all younger at this point, right? People exercise, they eat well, they
0: right they, for our they age, stuff yes. Like that. So exceeds so the yeah, new forty,
2: <laughs> but no, but it's true. But the reality is that so when you're in a matchmaking place, uh, there's not a huge selection
0: for mm-hmm. women
2: my age, you know. And there are women who have like careers, make a lot of money, are very educated and sophisticated, mm-hmm. and then I just find that you know, the selection of men is not at the same level.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess you can save your money by not. T- did, did did you use those services and pay the money? I did. not. I did not. So then how, I mean, you, I, I liked what you said earlier uh, in our conversation today. And, and it was the, it was the spirit of the, of the message you wrote to me back in February, just that you really feel ready. So you were, you are describing situation or, you know, trying to meet online or you talked about the matchmaking and it's all a bit uh could make one feel discouraged but but i don't get the feeling you are discouraged so how optimistic are you feeling because i don't think you've met anybody at the moment have you
2: no not really um i did i did like you know like like me moving back to montreal i i have seen people i haven't seen in like 40 years or 45 years oh fun and and i did i did meet up with like an, an old boyfriend of mine yeah. And, and two other people and we actually had a really 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 fun dinner but it was a, it was it was a dinner that was filled with lots of emotion and yeah. and laughter and a lot of like 40 year life stories right of people yeah. back then and none of them had seen each other like none of us the four of us have not seen yeah. each other in 40 45 years so that was really really interesting but you know I mean I, I like you feel certain butterflies sometimes for yeah. certain people. Aww. And I thought, oh my gosh, it's still there. So yeah, definitely. I'm totally optimistic. And, you know, I am 60. I will be 61. And I just thought this year, you know, I was born in 1961 and I'm going to be 61. <laughs> and this year is my year. That's feeling it. I, love
1: I am. it.
0: So what, what are your, are you, do you have a, a method in mind? Or are you just kind of walking around in the world with this, positive expectant feeling which personally i think is a great a great thing to attract what you're looking for but are you like here we are we're we're entering the beautiful summer season in montreal the best part of the year and um you have this great attitude so is there anything particular you're going to do to increase your chances of meeting somebody who'd be a great partner or just continue living your life in this way you are at the moment
2: i think i think going with the flow Mm-hmm. Is going to be my motto for the summer just because, like you said, it's a beautiful, you know, it's a beautiful time in Montreal. And, you know, I find that moving forward in life, it's like you don't necessarily know what you want out of like someone or a relationship, yeah. but we, sh- we know what we don't want, right? Yes, so that's
0: very true. That is very true.
2: Hopefully, you know, I'll just cross paths with somebody wonderful and who knows? Who knows?
0: Wow. I, I wish that for you. Absolutely. Um, Ellen. before I let you go, you have this, I really appreciate your, your positive, optimistic energy. Do you have any advice or words of wisdom to leave for anybody else who is like me, like you looking, but maybe would like more of your, your attitude? Do you have any advice?
2: Honestly, I think, I think it's just being happy. Happy with yourself is a big thing. Yeah. Um, you know, if if you're not afraid to be alone, I think yeah. it opens up many doors, you know, like not to be afraid to go out and, and also not to be afraid to do to do a first step with someone. I mean, we're not 16 years old. You know, if you see someone looks interesting, you can say hi. Right. Like. Good
0: point. Aylin. Good reminder. Yeah. Don't no sense holding back and being shy. Like, you
2: no. Know, You have no
0: time to lose, literally. (laughs) Well, I'm so glad you wrote to me those uh, months ago. And I'm so glad you agreed to talk to me for an episode of the podcast. And uh, I definitely want you to keep me um, au courant. Let me know how things go. And I I wish for you a fabulous, fabulous Montreal summer.
2: Well, thank you very much. I wish all the best for you. And I hope you meet the person too, and we can encourage one another.
0: I think we should do that. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Thank you for having
2: me. I never thought that, you know, writing to you would lead to this, but, you know, thank you. And, you know, to Mm -hmm. all the people out there, you know, don't give up.
0: Oh, great. Excellent words to end on. Uh, Well, take care, Ellen, and we'll, we'll stay in touch. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Well, that made me feel encouraged, and I hope it did the same for you. Thanks so much to my guests this episode, Montrealers Cynthia Lalum and Hélène, two listeners who contacted me to share their stories and who delighted me by agreeing to speak with me here about the search for and discovery of Late Bloom and Love. My friend and co-conspirator Shelly Morgan will be back next episode along with two other guests for a discussion about friendships, which can matter as much or more than romantic relationships and which deserve attention on this podcast too. This has been Late Bloom in Love with me, your host, Amanda Klang. Thanks so much for joining me here. I'll be back in two weeks with a new episode. Meanwhile, you can find out more about the show and catch up on past episodes at latebloominlove.com. That's Bloomin, B-L-O-O-M-I-N. You can also leave comments or questions there. We'd love to hear from you. And be sure to check out our Facebook and Instagram pages, Late Bloom in Love. Catch you next time.